The Reserve Bank set to lift rates again, but home buyers don't seem to be too worried. Macquarie Group readies to buy an Italian telco while the owner of Quicksilver, Roxy and Billabong Surfwear brands set to be sold. And some of the biggest minds in the universe get together to try and work out the origins of life. It's Monday, the 6th of March, 2023. Welcome to Fear and Greed, Australia's most popular business podcast. I'm Michael Thompson and good morning, Sean Aylmer. Good morning, Michael. Nice weekend. Yeah, it's very nice weekend, and I tell you what, we've got a big week coming up, Sean. I know it's, we it's. I know last week was a big week for the economy, but it just seems like there's a lot of business news happening at the moment. Yeah, there's always plenty going on at Fear and Greed, Michael. Let's just leave it at that. That's a fantastically generic statement, Sean. You've got a really good chat coming up today with one of our, our kind of favourite regular guests, Elise Kennedy, the Vice President of Equities at Jarden. Yes, we talked to Elise about tech stocks and she knows her stuff and we run through about eight Australian tech companies and she gives us the uh, the download on what she thinks about them, whether she thinks they're good, bad, otherwise. Certainly not investment advice, but if you're an investor, tune in. It's great. Yeah, it's coming up a little bit later on. But the main story this morning, Sean, the Reserve Bank is set to lift the official cash rate by another 0.25 percentage points tomorrow. But that hasn't dampened the rebound in auction clearance rates with another 70% plus weekend across the country. That's right, Michael. The cash rate is currently 3.35% and tomorrow's likely hike will take it to 3.6%. That will be 10 increases in 10 board meetings. People with standard variable rates are now looking at 7 point something or other. Bond markets have priced in another increase next month and then a third after that. But economists aren't quite as convinced about a third rate hike particularly given the soft economic growth figures we saw last week. Central banks are weighing up how high to lift interest rates to cull inflation versus the risk of a recession. The fight against inflation is winning the battle at the moment, and so investment markets are concerned about a sharp economic downturn hitting earnings. Certainly, rate hikes are hurting. Many companies that sell to consumers forecast weaker sales growth this half during the recent sales season. The number of first home buyers tumbled to a five-year low in January, according to figures released by the Australian Bureau of Statistics. Anecdotally, there are plenty of tales of higher energy and petrol prices hurting people, and the Reserve Bank has been pretty aggressive about the need to keep lifting rates. Sean, all that's true, obviously, but, and there always seems to be a but in these stories, it was the third weekend in a row of strong auction clearance rates with the rate once again above 70%. Yes, yes, yes. And there are a few more first-home buyers around as well as investors. More than 2,000 homes went to auction over the weekend with Sydney and Melbourne recording preliminary clearance rates of 72 and 71% respectively. In fact, Melbourne's clearance rate, 71%, was the highest since April. Still can't get too excited. The number of auctions were about 30% below a year ago due to a lack of stock. But still, the mortgage market is showing some signs of life, even though rates keep rising. Of course, the really big test comes when 800,000 mortgage holders roll off very low fixed rates in the next couple of years. That will certainly test the sustainability of the slight rebound in the housing market that we're seeing in some cities at the moment. But, Michael, I suppose at the end of the day, we like to see the silver lining in all those clouds up there. Oh, that is almost poetic, Sean. And that is why we do call you Sean Silver Linings Aylmer. We do, do we? Excellent. Well, I, I do. And and look, it's been a good few days for nicknames 
Sean, obviously we had a a cracker of a weekend edition. If you haven't heard the weekend edition, it's worth going back and having a listen to it, particularly just for the the nickname bestowed upon our fear and greed colleague, Adam Lang. Michael, Sean and Fish Truck. That's right. It's Go and check check that one out. Do not miss that. Uh, on to something a little bit more serious, Sean. Local markets, how did they wrap up on Friday? S&P ASX 200 finished up 0.4% on Friday. It is 7,283.6 points, meaning the market ended the week down just a touch. It was the fourth successive weekly loss, and over the past month, it's down 3.6%. 10 of the 11 sectors on the bourse rose on Friday. It's just that none really rose by too much. Telcos were the best performers. The Real Estate Investment Trust Index was the only one to go backwards. Not a lot going on. National Australia Bank led the banks higher. It jumped more than 1%. The big miners were mixed. Rio jumped 1.6%, but Fortescue fell by exactly the same amount. Telstra rose 1.4%. Liontown Resources was the best on the day, jumping 12.2%. Over the past fortnight, the Lithium Group's share price has risen 25%. The worst performer on Friday was Ampol, down nearly 6% after it went ex-dividend. Ex-dividend, Sean. 30-second explainer. Uh, basically, it's the day that when you hold a share and you know you're going to get a dividend, let's say that's uh, on Thursday, that's the case. On Friday, if you held that share, you don't get that dividend. But there's actually a date, which is a cutoff date for holding the dividend. So ex-dividend is when you no longer get the dividend. Okay. How about that for being put on the spot? Mm, I've done that one before though. I know, I know. But still, I was just giving you a chance to show off your knowledge. What about international markets over the weekend? Uh, Wall Street rebounded as all the angst about higher interest rates seemed to dissipate somewhat, or at least lessen. The broad-based S&P 500 finished up 1.6% and the tech-heavy Nasdaq closed 2% higher with Apple and Tesla leading the way. Now, much of the action this week in the US will rely on employment figures and Fed Chair Jerome Powell's testimony to Congress. Wall Street had, like, it had a great January, had a really poor February, So far, March has been pretty good. It's up a couple of percent. In fact, last week, Europe was up, Japan was up, China was up, Wall Street was up. Not so much the ASX 200, that was actually down. But there was just, it's sort of a bit of uh, buoyancy in the market last week, globally. Before we leave international markets, Bitcoin's value hit a two-week low over the weekend, Michael. It's heading towards 22,000 US dollars a unit, and the Aussie dollar is trading around 67.7 US cents. If everywhere else had such a good week last week, Sean, why would Australia buck the trend? Well, that's probably a good question. It's probably around rates. It's probably around what's happening in China. But even on those factors, China should help the Australian market, not hinder it. Yeah, can't really give you an answer for that, Michael. It's a bit of a surprise. All right. Well, we'll be back in a moment with the rest of the day's business news. Sean Macquarie Group and Italy's state lender are expected to make a bid for Telecom Italia's landline network possibly in the next 24 hours. There's been a bunch of reports over the past 48 to 72 hours about Macquarie being involved in a $9 billion bid. Now, the company isn't saying anything yet, but Bloomberg is reporting that the board of the company, CDP, was expected to meet overnight to review the final offer from Macquarie and Italy's state lender. Private equity group KKR has been interested, but apparently talks collapsed. Italy's government has been looking to end a stalemate over the sale of the network by backing a single bid, and Macquarie seems to be that bidder. I think it's interesting that it's a landline network. Another deal being reported in Bloomberg at the moment is the sale of the company that owns Quicksilver, Roxy, and Billabong Surfwear brands. 
Board Riders is owned by, surprise, surprise, a private equity company. This one's called Oak Tree Capital Management. They apparently are offloading the business board riders for about 1.3 billion US dollars. Sean, airfares on some of the country's most popular routes remain more than 50% higher than before the COVID-19 pandemic. And over the past three months, some routes have actually hit record highs. That's right. The cheapest available fare between Melbourne and Sydney was $348 in December. Data compiled by the Bureau of Infrastructure and Transport Research Economics shows. With 2016, the only time prices were higher In January and February, the cheapest fare on that route hit a record $172 and $183 respectively, which is between 40 and 50% higher than the average price in those months across the decade before the pandemic. Between Brisbane and Melbourne, the cheapest available fare rose to $358 in December. With 2012, the only prior time prices were above $300. They were $288 in January, almost 80% higher than the average price for that month in the decade to 2020, and $232 in February, up 40%. Now, the cheapest fare between Sydney and Brisbane was $318 in December, the first time it's crossed $300. There's plenty more, but Michael, you get the gist. The bad news is that the structural reset, as the industry calls it, still has a way to go before prices fall significantly. I like that word reset, Michael. (laughs) I I do too, Sean, and that's a very uh, subtle reference to a book that you're reading at the moment. I am. Michael's book, which was launched last week, the main character talks about something called a reset. And uh, so every time I say that word, I think of you, Michael. Oh, thank you. And the book is called How to Be Remembered, and it's available wherever you buy books at the moment. Squeeze in a little free plug there. Thank you, Sean. Staying with airlines, and if it was up to me, we would do an entire podcast just on airlines. Fortunately, it's not up to me, Sean. Uh, Qantas will hire 2,300 pilots and cabin crew and engineers in the next 18 months as part of a, a recruitment and training initiative that will essentially see the airline refilling the thousands of roles cut during the pandemic. The plan is to ultimately increase headcount by up to 8,500 people over the next decade. The national carrier cut almost 10,000 jobs over the past three years during the COVID pandemic. Qantas currently employs about 23,500 people. The airline will establish a new engineering academy to train up to 300 aircraft engineers a year to help fill defence contractor and general aviation roles. It takes around five years of training to become a licensed aircraft engineer. The Engineering Academy will open in 2025, though Qantas has yet to decide where it will be located. Chief Executive Alan Joyce said he's primarily looking at Melbourne, Perth or Brisbane to help fast-track the approval process and talks with unions about the needs of the training school are continuing. Before we leave this story, also reports this morning in the Financial Review about the board of Qantas engaging a recruitment firm to find a replacement for Alan Joyce. I don't think that means he's going anywhere anytime soon, but it is good practice to make sure they've got people in mind. Yeah, succession planning. Now, Sean, uh, you might soon find some of the shelves at Woolworths and Coles and IGA and Aldi empty, but this time it's actually got nothing to do with floods or kind of supply chain problems. This time, the trucking company that moves many goods for the big supermarkets has gone into receivership. Receivers were called into Scott's refrigerated logistics last week, and there's no guarantee deliveries will keep getting made, which could make for some short-term shortages. Scott's is owned by, guess who, Michael? A private equity firm. No way. There you go. Anchorage Capital Partners, it's been trying to offload the company without success. If it closes, 1,500 employees will lose their jobs. 
Sean, the woes at Downer EDI keep getting worse with Chair Mark Chalou on Friday resigning from the contractor. It ended an absolute horror week where the Chief Financial Officer said he'd leave. The Chief Executive Officer ended his tenure and the company downgraded its earnings forecast on the back of accounting irregularities. Large investors were demanding consequences for the profit downgrades in recent months on the back of the accounting issue. And there's no bigger scalp than the chair. Downer's market capitalisation has gone from nearly $4 billion in the middle of last year to about $2 billion. The media, advertising and marketing industries are bracing for a downturn, Sean, with a a survey of top executives at brands like Telstra and Toyota and Nestle and IAG, Unilever, finding one third of marketers have had budgets cut. Yes, the Australian Association of National Advertisers survey found two thirds have held on to budgets amid a slowing economy which means the other third have dropped, according to a report in the Financial Review. Nine consecutive interest rate rises, a tenth tomorrow, and high inflation is really hitting that market. The results obviously could hurt the fortunes of major media companies. Every dollar shaved from an advertising budget affects the likes of Google, Facebook, Nine, Seven, and News Corp. Now, the Standard Media Index, which measures how much advertising agencies spend on media, recorded a 10% drop year-on-year during January, to $543 million. It just looks like the market's coming off a bit. Yeah, turning to international news now, Sean, the Chinese Communist Party yesterday endorsed a 5% growth target this year, and there's about to be a senior leadership shakeup as well. That sounds a little bit ominous. It does. The country's politicians met yesterday to endorse Xi Jinping's third term as president, and this week are due to elect a few new officials, including a new number two, But the surprise over the weekend was the relatively low economic growth rate target. It matters to Australia because the faster China grows, the more of our commodities it wants. Until COVID, the target rates were 7 8%. Last year, the world's second largest economy grew by only 3% due to the zero COVID policy. Now, economists expected a target of closer to 6%. The Chinese Communist Party has come in quite conservatively at 5%. Now, just to lighten things up a little bit, Sean, for our final story, scientists at four of the world's leading universities have teamed up to investigate the origins of life on Earth and to look for similar biological processes taking place elsewhere in the universe. And what could be lighter than that? Yeah, that's exactly right. So the universities of Cambridge in the UK, Harvard and Chicago in the US and ETH Zurich in Switzerland announced the formation over the weekend of what they called the Origins Federation. Hmm. The long-standing search for extraterrestrial life, whether simple microbes or advanced civilizations, is going to be supercharged by new interplanetary missions to Mars and Jupiter's moons and by observations from huge telescopes like the James Webb Telescope, according to a report in the Financial Times. Plenty of money going into it. Now, complementary research will focus on the still somewhat mysterious emergence of life on Earth itself. I love the fact that these scientists from Cambridge, Harvard, Chicago and Zurich just think they could probably get together and work it all out. Yeah, I feel like anything I say is just going to trivialise this, Sean. So, you know what, I'm just going to leave this one alone. Probably a good idea. All right. Up next is the Fear and Greed Daily interview with Elise Kennedy from Jarden, Australia. Yes, it's all about Australian tech stocks post the earnings season. And Elise, as always, runs through a bunch of them and just gives her view on what she likes and doesn't like. 
Yeah, that's up next in the Fear and Greed playlist on your podcast platform or at fearandgreed.com.au as well. Fear and Greed, the week ahead featuring our resident economist, Stephen Kukoulos. Very excited. Had a big week last week with economic growth numbers. Big week this week with tomorrow's Reserve Bank board meeting. Such an enthusiast, the kook. Yeah, it's a really good chat as always. Thank you very much, Sean. Thank you, Michael. It's Monday, the 6th of March, 2023. Make sure you're following the podcast. Join us online on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you have a little bit of time today as well, check out the most recent episode of How Do They Afford That, which is our sister podcast, all about making your money work a little bit harder for you. It's all about manifesting this week. And I've got to say, it is actually one of our most popular episodes we have ever done. So give it a listen and see what all the fuss is about. I'm Michael Thompson, and that was Fear and Greed. Have a great day.